Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back on it is Eaton. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Evan Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to our show. Today, we'll sit down with Logan Forsyth and discuss facing his original team. We'll also catch up with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun, visit with former Rays outfielder Will Myers, get caught up on the Rays minor league system with Montgomery manager Brady Williams, and much more. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball. Our featured guest this week is one Logan Forsyth. Logan, thanks very much for joining us. This week was unique because you got to face your original team, the San Diego Padres. What was that like? Uh, you know, it's not what I pictured. Uh, you know, when I left San Diego, I thought, you know, playing those guys again um, would be fun, and it was fun, but it's not the same team. I think there was two guys over there that were still from uh, when I was with them. And, um, but it was really great to see, like, you know, their training staff, their coaches, um, strength guy, uh, they were all there. So it was good to catch up, see what's going on out west. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun, especially, you know, when we uh, took the series from them. You did, and you hit a go-ahead home run in the first game of the series, so it didn't really carry a whole lot of special meaning, it sounds like. No, I mean, it, you know, it's always fun to beat your former team. Um, you know, and especially if you do well against them, you know, it's a little bit more kind of like in-your-face type thing. But, um, no, I mean, they, they're they a good club. They're kind of rebuilding right now, and it was just – it's nice for us, you know, with all the injuries that we've had. You know, we kind of played well, and we got this home stand off the right start. Who were the guys in that organization that made a really good impression with you in terms of the coaching staff and helped you grow to the player you are now? Well, most of the coaching staff over there, I mean, they all had an input. Um, you know, Glenn Hoffman, uh, their third base coach. Uh, Dave Roberts was the first base coach when I was over there. Ricky Renneria, um, you know, I think he's with the uh, White Sox right now. And but uh, all those guys, I mean, the whole staff over there, I mean, they're great with young guys coming up and helping them. And, um, yeah, I think everybody over there helped me in my game. How about player-wise? Were there guys who made an impression either at the minor league level or at the major league level that kind of taught you how to go about your business a little bit or really helped you grow? Um, Yeah, you know, I think I grew a little bit, you know, coming up in the minor leagues and uh, the game humbled me a little bit at times in the minor leagues, which I think every player needs. Um, But once I got up to the big leagues, you know, I kind of realized, you know, this is a different game, a different level. And, um, you know, I had guys like Krista Norfia, Will Venable, Nick Hundley, um, Chase Headley, uh, Clayton Richards, uh, I mean, all the guys that were kind of in arbitration or going through arbitration at that time, um, you know, see, Krista Norfia, he was, you know, that fourth outfielder guy. So, you know, he was the bench guy that, like, I learned how to be a bench guy from, um, you know, and that's what my role was at San Diego. It was that utility-type player. And um, so that's where I learned it. I learned it from guys that had been in that position, and I just kind of watched and shut my mouth and listened. And obviously listened well. You know, I I think – when you weren't in the lineup uh, earlier in the week uh, because of the back spasms, I think you know everyone thought, well, something's got to be wrong because Logan's always in there. He's always grinding. He's he's a true pro. When you hear those words, a grinder or a pro, what does that mean to you? And and I mean, who best represented that to you when you got to the big leagues? You know, 
There's a ton of guys. I mean, I, you know, I respect a lot of guys that play this game at this level. Um, I'm not going to name off names for you, but um, yeah, you know, I just it's it's a compliment, you know, when when guys say you know that about you, and um, I think that's when you know you're doing it right. And um, you know, when most of the leagues around or most of the teams in the league kind of notice that about you as a player, um, it's just it makes you want to be that guy. Um, and for me, you know, on this team, you know, we're young. Um, you know, I had guys show me how to do it the right way, and, you know, I'm trying to do the same. And you're leading by example, but also leading at the top of the lineup. This is your first year hitting leadoff. You've made the adjustment look pretty easy, um, and I know it's not. So tell me what's been the hardest part about hitting leadoff this year. Uh, the hardest part for me, honestly, uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just because I was starting the game at a leadoff spot. After that, I mean, it's kind of just the game as, as it is, but... Um, the biggest thing, and I think I said it in spring training, was um, my routine. Uh, my routine, my like on deck routine. It's it's a little uh, extended, and you know when I feel like I'm rushed, I feel like I don't get my mind where it needs to be for that first at bat. But um, as the years gone on, I've kind of been able to focus in and kind of do what I need to do, know what I need to do on on deck to get into the box and be ready to go. So um, yeah, it was a uh, you know something I had to play with to try to realize you know how to do it but at the same time I think um, you know like you said I'm, I'm doing pretty well so far I'm just trying to keep growing in that position what in your mind is a good leadoff hitter you know I think quality at bats and consistency honestly um, you know I don't look at stats too much to where you know what a guy's hitting average wise or his power numbers but you know if I see a guy that leads off and, and sees pitches well you know doesn't chase too much out of the zone gives a quality at bat um, you know, contact guy, not contact to where it's, you know, weak contact, but a guy that puts the ball in play, you know, on the barrel. Um, I think that's a quality leadoff guy. And you certainly have done that so far this year. You know, the other thing that you've done, and despite missing a month when you got, you had the fractured shoulder when you got hit by King Felix, is you've now hit 15 homers in back-to-back years, 15 or more. Mm -hmm. The Rays haven't had a middle infielder ever do that in back-to-back seasons until you. Is that surprising, and what does that mean? Uh, that is surprising. I didn't know that stat. Um, but, yeah, you know, when it was unfortunate to get hit by, you know, Felix. Um, but I think it was unfortunate for, you know, KK to break his hand and, you know, Pierce go down and Mikey go down. And, I mean, it was just – it was kind of like, you know, the injuries that couldn't be prevented almost. That, you know, that's the type of year we had. And, you know, it's just – you know, you look back and you're like, well, what if we were healthy? But I think we're at a, we're at a part now or, or a time now in the season where we're playing well, we're winning series again, uh, the pitching's back, the defense is back. Um, you know, we're getting big hits, quality at bats are showing up throughout the whole lineup. Um, I think this is something that we play into next spring training. Media and, and you know, fans are always going to debate that. Can winning in August and September – help the following year because I look at Baltimore in 2011 they helped the Rays get into the playoffs and from 2012 on they've been a winning club can you create habits in August and September that can carry over to the next year absolutely you can create habits at any point in the season um you just have to be smart enough to realize the habit that you created uh and I think that that's something that our older guys need to help with the younger guys like you know just continue to talk the game and you know, try to get guys more knowledgeable in, you know, what we're actually doing as a team. And, um, you know, some of the guys won't be with us next year, but we have an idea of what guys will be with us. And, you know, it's just it's just talking about it. It's just, you know, going up to a guy and being a good teammate saying, hey, you know, that was a great or bad way to get them over. And, you know, some guys honestly don't even know that they did the, the right thing in that situation, and then they realize it. 
And uh, they're like, okay, yeah, you know, that's what I was supposed to do. It's just a constant reminder, and I think that's a, the talk we got going around right now. And part of it also is getting accustomed to new guys this time of year. You've had to work with now a new double play partner, right. and you really haven't had a guy who you knew going into spring training, hey, this is my, the guy I'm going to work with. You could say going into next year that you and Matt Duffy might be that tandem. How much does that help going into next year? Yeah, and, you know, like you said, when you uh, talk about the last month, month and a half of the season, you know, trying to get to know a guy and, you know, his tendencies and habits up the middle. Um, but, you know, when we started, uh, you know, Brad, I thought he did a, a good job up up the middle with, uh, with double plays and, you know, playing short. And, uh, you know, I think the way that our team's building – and kind of becoming, um, you know, I think it will be Duffy next year up there and, and Brad maybe more at first, but um, you never know. I mean, when I, when I came to spring training, I knew we got Brad in the trade. I knew Brad was going to get the shot, and uh, so that was my guy. That's the guy I worked with. That's the guy I wanted to play the most with. And, um, you know, now that Duffy's here, it's not spring training, so we don't get to really work on it. But um, there's been a couple times when we took taking BP, you know, I tried to get – finish a little earlier and let him kind of feed me and see where um kind of where he likes to get his feet positioned when he turns a double play where his flips tend to go you know um just little things like that but um he's been great since he's been over here what are your overall impressions of him because he came from an organization that obviously has been part of a lot of winning and he was part of the world series team in 14 yeah you can tell he's got that winning mentality um you know just how you know the Giants are as a team and organization like they expect to be winners and I think the way he carries himself on the field um you know reveals that a little bit to where like that's how they're teaching their young players to be and you know it's I think it's something that we need um and I think a a young guy that's had success and has that humble mentality and plays hard like kind of uh that hard-nosed mentality I think uh, that's what we need and you could look at the infield and say Longo Duffy, yourself, and Miller could be the infield going in next year. You haven't, let's say, gone from uh, the end of a season to the following year and known every spot on the diamond. How much do you think that can help? Not only the infield, but also the pitching staff, having that confidence of those four guys out there. Right. That's that's a big point right there, I think, is uh, the, the pitching staff knowing that, you know, consistently that's going to be the infield behind them. And knowing that when we start in spring training, throughout the whole season that's going to be the infield that's you know out there every day so uh you know when when you got your core guys and they're out there every day it just makes the game kind of flow a little bit easier like you know who you're playing beside you know what they're capable of and uh the pitchers know that as well you know when they go into their approach on uh certain teams and you know how they're going to pitch them so you know i'm excited about it um but like you said you know we got another month month and a half and um I think that's what the infield we're going to play with, and I think we're going to be or become a better team. This organization, I know, has become kind of your family, so to speak. What has it meant? You know, you've got the long-term stability with a multi-year contract, just the fact that you've gotten the chance here for the first time to play every day, and you've obviously taken advantage of it. Um, Yeah, I mean, you said it right. I mean, this is like, you know, a second family to myself um, and my wife. Uh, You know, we... uh, you know, when we got the extension, um, you know, we were just as happy as we could be. And, um, you know, just to be in a spot, have that stability. Um, and But then on top of that, I I know what this team's capable of. And uh, to be with them and help them grow, especially with some of these young guys just coming up, I want to see them. I think they're going to have tremendous careers. And uh, 
just to help those guys in any way. Um, it's exciting. For you, you're also excited to start your own family. Congratulations. What are you most excited about? Uh, the unknown. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, since we found out we were pregnant, it was, uh, i just been excited. And I actually, we actually went and did the uh, 40 ultrasounds. We actually saw his face for the first time yesterday. And uh, that's, it was just kind of like, wow, you know, it's, 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 it's close. And I mean, you know, you got a month and a half and it seems long, but I mean, that's going to be gone like that. And the next thing you know, we'll be in the hospital and, you know, uh, it's a blessing, man. I mean, it's, it, it truly is. And uh, we couldn't, I mean, we couldn't be more excited. How do you think it'll change you? If at all, <laughs> I don't think it'll change me too much. I think I'll just be a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit more of a morning person, maybe, or you know, a little less tired in in the afternoons. In terms of you know, because there are some guys who have to play every day who say, hey, it makes it a little easier to kind of release the game and come home and see your child. Oh yeah, that 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 aspect of it, you know, you don't you don't try to mix family and baseball. Um, you know, this is work. This is where. You know, you're not a different person, but kind of a different mentality. You know, you kind of got to get after it, um, at least for myself. And then when I go home, that's my place to wind down, relax, you know, be with my wife, you know, my dogs, and, you know, more of a positive energy. Well, continue that positive energy at home and continue that same positive energy with what you're doing in the leadoff spot and at second base on the field. We certainly appreciate some time on This Week in Rays Baseball. Thanks, Neil. That's Logan Forsyth, and we'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back. Neil Solon's with you on This Week at Rays Baseball. Time now to take a look at the week gone by. Joining us from Fox Sports Sun, Brian Anderson. B.A., thanks for a few minutes. Neil, anytime, buddy. Let's start with uh, the last interview I just had, Logan Forsythe. He said something real interesting. I want to get your take. I asked him, can habits or, or the way you play in August and September carry over to the next year? And he said, creating good habits at any point of the season can carry over you just have to realize the good habits that are being created what's your take on that i i don't think that that any truer statement could be said he's absolutely right you know if you stumble onto something whether it's a new way that you get ready for uh the game a mental a new mental approach whatever you do to prepare yourself if you stumble onto something new and it's working you build that into your repertoire you build that into your being going forward it absolutely uh, will help you and and he's right. It's not only August and September. It's any time during the season. Sometimes something a coach may say just all of a sudden clicks, and you're going, "Wow! This just it just opens up a new world for you. You change your routine, you change your habits, you change your preparation, and then all of a sudden, as a player, you really start to grow and and, and maximize your talents. And so I think that that Logan Forsythe, uh, you know, obviously being the savvy veteran that he is, is absolutely correct in that statement. But but so what has but I love I love Jake who got the win yesterday went six innings allowed one run. What's changed for him since the All Star break? You know what for for me for Jake Odorizzi it's real simple. His changeup has become very consistent. You know that was a pitch for him uh, that's been big. You know throughout his you know young career his split changeup and the finish on it really allows him to play the up and down game. And we saw that last night. He can use the elevated fastball to set up the split change below the zone. We saw him last night use the split change below the zone to set up the fastball up above, you know, the elevated fastball being effective. Um, Jake does a nice job of pitching to both sides of the plate, 
using all four quadrants of the strike zone. But the change-up the first half of the season before the All-Star break, there would be games that it was there, games that it wasn't, innings that it was there, innings that all of a sudden it wasn't. Had the change of speed but didn't have the finish. And there were times where he got hurt on that pitch. And I think that after the All-Star break, um, he's still able to locate his fastball, still able to elevate it. The change-up has been remarkably consistent, and the results have followed. For me, in a nutshell, um, you know that that's that's the, the the simple answer to Jake Odorizzi's little run here. And certainly, we hope it continues the remainder of the season. You know, the same can be said in terms of success on the diamond for today's starter, Drew Smiley. What's the big difference for him? I guess you could say probably since the start at Coors Field right after the break. Well, I think for Drew Smiley, it's a couple things. I think the fastball um, location, the fastball command has been a little bit better, but even more so maybe the secondary pitches are distinct now. You know, there was a time where all of a sudden the curveball, the changeup, um, even the cutter a little bit, they almost started to morph into one pitch. It was hard to tell. You know, if you're, you're watching the game uh, from a monitor or even from, you know, up where our vantage point is, w- curveball changeup, you could not tell the difference between those two pitches. The speed was about the same. The action on the pitch was about the same. And I think all those secondary pitches started to morph into one um, and they became hittable. And I think that at, at this point, he's able, you know, he's another guy. A lot of the starters on this raised staff can really elevate the ball well. Drew Smiley is another one. And because of the arm angle he creates, he can work it down in the zone, up in the zone. And now that his changeup and his curveball and even his cutter are distinct from each other, all of a sudden there's an entirely new look. And he's back to the Drew Smiley that the Rays acquired in the trade. And he had that nice run uh, through the end of that season. And most of his starts, you know, coming into the early part of this year, you know, he was a guy that was just automatic. And, you know, he would wasn't going to overpower you with velocity but he would certainly make a lot of very good lineups look bad and and he's back to being that guy and I think that's because again fastball command better secondary pitches have you know they're distinct now they've separated themselves from each other and he's got these different weapons to work with and he obviously has a lot of confidence too. Again, chatting with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sauna this week in Rays Baseball. And B.A., really the only guy in the rotation who's having, I guess you could call it a struggle at this point, would be Matt Andrees. But he's gone from starter to reliever to starter. How difficult is that? Put that in perspective as someone who's done it before. Uh, it's very difficult. And, and when I've done it, it typically was, you know, maybe at the end of the season, um, you know, I, one, there was one year where I think I went back and forth once, where I went into the bullpen for a short period of time and then uh, and then back into the rotation. He's done it a few times, and that's got to be extremely difficult. You know, he started off rotation, you know, then bullpen, uh, you know, actually when he comes up from, from Durham, and then, then all of a a sudden you know he gets that spot start in Baltimore right back to the bullpen then he has to come back and rebuild the pitch count so it's it's extremely difficult I will say that you know in, in getting to know Matt Andrees and talking with Matt Andrees you know he's a guy that's going to do anything he can do to help the team and he's strong mentally so he's not going to make any excuses he's about you tell me when to pitch I will go get hitters out and these last uh, you know couple of starts where things haven't gone as smoothly for Matt as they have in the past it's just been 
some pitches that have not been located and they've been hit out of the ballpark because the one thing that he did early on was limit the long ball. He kept the ball in the ballpark. He worked quickly. He was very efficient. It was like strike one, strike two. Now I'm going to get you out and get on to the next guy where these last couple of, uh, of starts and, and outings, there have been some pitches that have been left out over the plate um, that have been capitalized by the opposition. That's going to happen during the course of a six-month season, and I'm sure that, that Matt Andres will bounce back and, and be very good next time out. And certainly something to watch for going forward. What are the other things from a pitching standpoint, B.A., you're keeping a close eye on in these last six weeks in terms of guys fighting for jobs? Well, yeah, that's going to be the thing. I, number one, what, what's going to happen, you know, with the rotation? Um, you know, obviously Alex Cobb getting close to coming back. You know, Chase, Chase Whitley, um, you know, you hear his name. He's going to, you know, maybe be up here pretty soon. And, and you've got some different options. Um, I'm interested in the development of uh, Blake Snell. Um, really enjoy watching him pitch. You know, he seems for a young guy. Um, you know, early in his career, very early in his career, has a nice idea of what he's doing out there. I, you know, I go back to that start against the Yankees where he put together a couple of sequences like a true veteran. And the reason that you knew that he put them together is because he was shaken off. You know, he would, he would throw a pitch, strike one, another pitch, strike two, have read the hitter's swing and what the hitter was trying to do, and then all of a sudden, okay, give me a slider. No, I don't want that. How about the curveball? No, I don't want that. I want to go back with the fastball. Like, he was shaking to get to the pitch that he wanted to do. You don't see that a lot anymore. You see a lot of guys just follow the script, and Blake Snell um, has shown that ability to be able to read hitters from time to time and put together some sequences. It kind of reminds me of the way that, and obviously he's way more advanced than Blake Snell at this point, but like Cole Hamels the other night, watch him pitch, watching a veteran mm-hmm. read hitters pitch off of not only the scouting report, but what their hitter was telling him with his swings, with his body position. Is he diving out over the plate? Do I need to brush him back or come inside sooner than I planned on because I see this guy diving over the plate? You know, He's reading the hitter, and you see Blake Snell do that from time to time, and that is really encouraging for a, a young pitcher like uh, Blake is. And, you know, the other starters, obviously Chris Archer looks to be getting back on track. Um, he's getting that depth on his slider. The velocity on the fastball has been and, uh, I mean, very good, and the command is, is getting better. You know, Oda Rizzi, Smiley, we've talked about the roles that, that those guys are on, and Andres getting back on track. And then you look out at the bullpen, and you just wonder who is going to emerge out of that bullpen because they're going to get opportunities. And what, you know, who is going to really stand out and say, listen, I need to be a part of that bullpen next year because you've got to believe that Matt Silverman and company are going to be looking for a rebuild on that bullpen, and they'll be looking for some pieces that are here right now and obviously some pieces that probably are not here right now but who is going to stand out and scream hey look at me i'm a guy that's uh you know that that deserves to be you know in this bullpen um next season that that's i think from the pitching standpoint that's what you're looking for va great stuff as usual thanks for joining us hey neil thank you very much my man again that's brian anderson of fox sports sun before we continue let's pause for station identification on the race baseball network this is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. To the wall! Gone! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Time now to look at the minor league side on this week in Rays baseball. Several Rays affiliates in the playoff hunt, among them A Montgomery. And joining us now, the manager of the A Montgomery Biscuits, Brady Williams. Brady, thanks for joining us. Neil, how you doing? Good to be on. Appreciate it. 
Tell me, I, I spoke with Ronaldo Ruiz in Bowling Green last week, and he said he really thinks it's important in the development process to fight for a playoff spot. How important do you think it is? Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't want to say it's the most important, but it, it definitely helps um, whether you get your point across or the guys are fighting for each other or there's just more camaraderie with the team. Guys believe in each other more, so you're going to get more out of your day. Um, and obviously, it matters when you're playing those games. I mean, you want to you want to play when it, when it's on the line. You want to hit when it's on the line. You want to pitch when it's on the line. And so, I think it's big for for anybody that can be in those situations, whether you win or lose, is is up to that uh, individual team or player. But um, I think it's a, a a big part of development uh, in the in the minor leagues. One of your starters and probably the most highly touted one in the organization, Brent Honeywell, this past Friday had what you called his best start. He threw six shutout innings against the Twins affiliate in Chattanooga. What made it his best start since he's moved to double-A? Yeah, I mean, he's been good. It's not like he had not pitched well. Um, it was just a lot of commitment to his fastball, and he pitched off his fastball. Uh, most of the strikeouts came on his fastball. He he just uh, executed what he needed to do uh, with his fastball. I know I said it like four times, but he he, um, he just used, he, he dominated the strike zone, and that was what, you know, you had heard about him. It was just one of his better starts. And his obviously was there. He used it more early in the count, um, but he expanded when he had to with his fastball, and uh, he gave him six good innings. How are the, some of the other talented arms that you've got holding up? Uh, you know, I'm sure for Taylor Guerrero, this is the most innings he's thrown in quite a while. Um, I, I know overall the numbers look fairly good. Yeah, you're right. You know, he's, this is probably the most he's pitched. Um, you know, he's on, he was on restriction the last year. Uh, and a half or so, finally took the took the reins off, and even early on, he was still kind of on a pitch pitch count, pitch pitch inning limit. Um, and he's done a nice job. Uh, he's pitched in the eighth inning a few times. Um, there has been uh, some hiccups along the way. You know, he's had a couple of short outings, um, but he's over, overall he's had a nice season. Uh, he's still leading the league in wins. He's got twelve of them, so uh, that's that's something you can't take away from the kid. And he's still competing. He's got a couple more starts left. Yanni Chirinos is a guy who came all the way from Bowling Green to Double-A. Um, it looks like he's hit a little rut in the road, so to speak. Is that maybe because of fatigue? Uh, I don't think it's fatigue. I think it's uh, the league looking at his numbers and making the adjustment. And so now he's kind of you know, back to the drawing board, and he's got, he's got to make an adjustment because uh, it's not his fault. He just he throws so many strikes, uh, doesn't walk anybody, that at some point, uh, the hitters are going to really, uh, see that and, and, and be aggressive, and that's kind of what ha- what's happened to him. Guys have been overly aggressive, attacking him uh, first pitch, second pitch of the count, um, and hitting the ball hard. So he's kind of got to uh, refine his uh, his pitches a little bit, just be a little more sharper because he doesn't walk guys, and he just got to expand his own a little more when he has to. Yeah, let's look at some of your position players. And again, we're chatting with Brady Williams, manager for the Montgomery Biscuits. Obviously, Willie Adamas is a kid everyone talks about. How has he fared? Because I know this is a very tough league. He's only 20 years of age. He's playing the prime position in shortstop. And it's it's a league where the heat can get to you, too, and, and talking about wearing you down a little bit. I would say the last week or so, I don't know if it's caught up to him. Um, I don't want to say it has. But he's still put together a really nice season. The most homers, homers he's ever hit. Uh, I know he's, he's still leading the league in run score. The RBIs are, are, are good right now. I think he's got like 50 of them. Um, he's played a really good shortstop. I know he's made 20 errors, but um, there's been a lot of new uh, positions he's played as far as shift, uh, you know, moving him around 
uh, the infield on, on these shifts versus hitters. And so he's learned a lot in that, in that aspect, uh, but he's still putting together a really nice season. Hopefully he can get that little extra kick here with, with two weeks to go to uh, push forward and uh, finish strong because he, he needs to do that, and, and hopefully he can. You know, another 20-year-old is Jake Bowers. It looks like he's been fairly consistent during the course of this year. Yeah, he said it. He's, uh, you know, started, I would say started a little slow, slower than we had expected, and probably him as well. Uh, and then he kind of picked it up. He kind of caught stride probably early May into June, and so he's kind of he's kind of t- taken off from that. He's got 70 ribbies. Uh, he's been a big part of our middle of our order all season long. Uh, to be a 20-year-old kid with his presence in the box is just uh, it's, it's very uncharacteristic. You don't see it too often. Um, he was rated, I believe, the third best hitter in the league uh, by all the managers, and just uh, a treat to watch play. He's, he's back playing first base. He did play a little bit of outfield uh, to gain some experience out there, but he's back playing first, and comfortable over there and also comfortable hitting the four hole so he's uh he's a good baseball player and you've got a couple others uh, i want to touch on kian wong is a guy who also has kind of moved up every single year um and it looks like he's finishing fairly strong yeah he is he's uh he's had up and down season i think he's he's learned a lot about himself as a hitter you know he's he's, he's had to take a, a little different approach to hitting uh, he's always he's always been a free swinger and he's had success doing that uh, but I think as he gets higher, he's going to have to be a little more selective uh, with his uh, fastballs. He, he just uh, he, he has a very uh, good knack of putting the bat to the ball, and so there's times where he's made a lot of soft contact just because he can hit the ball, and he's kind of refined that a little bit, especially this last month. Um, and he's driving the ball uh, frequently. Um, he's been hitting in the leadoff spot. He looks comfortable in there. Played a nice second base uh, all season long, and um, – to watch him grow as a hitter this year has been it's been fun to watch. The one other guy I wanted to touch on position player wise is uh, is a guy who came to you during the middle of the season. And that's Justin Williams. He's shown more power than he did in the Florida State League, and I think many people in the organization believes eventually that he has the ability to be a power hitter. Fair fair assessment. Yeah, maybe it's me, but all I've ever seen him do is hit home runs because I saw him in spring training for like five games, and I <laughs> swear to you, he hit a home run every game. And then he came up here, and all he was doing was hitting home runs. So, to me, he's a he's a home run hitter. I don't know what he's done in the past, but um, you know, he just he has a he has something special in those hands. And when he hits the ball, it's a different sound. He can hit the ball out of the park to any area uh, on any pitch. He's just a very gifted uh, a hitter. And when he when he figures it out, because um, he's only twenty, and when he really understands who he is as a hitter, it's going to be something serious uh, to watch in that batter's box. Brady, we just touched on four kids who I think are all age 20. How important is it for them to be able to at least hold their own at this level, and what does it say about that quartet to be able to do so as a position player in that league? Yeah, I mean, we, you lose you lose sense of reality from even a coach's standpoint when you say they're 20 because you think about think back when you were 20 and where were you at. Um, and these kids are in double-A, which is a very, very good uh, level of baseball. Um, and not only are they um, at this level, but they're also one of the better players uh, in this league at this level. And so when you say that about those four guys, it's pretty special. And, and hopefully the, uh, those four guys can, can keep uh, head above water uh, over the next couple of years in the minor leagues and, and start helping our big league team out in the future. Sounds like a plan. Brady, good luck the last couple of weeks. Hopefully you guys can secure a playoff spot, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, Neil.
And that's Montgomery manager Brady Williams. When we continue on this week in Rays baseball, we'll visit with former Rays outfielder Will Myers and much more after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. This week, several players faced their former teams like Logan Forsyth and Brad Boxberger, who were up against San Diego, or Will Myers, who faced the Rays. And I sat down with the former Rays outfielder and asked him what it was like to play against his former club. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time here. Uh, I really love St. Pete. I love the I love the trop. I know a lot of times it can uh, get a bad rap, uh, you know, in the league, but I really enjoyed playing here. Um, you know, so I was excited to come back, and it was fun to be back here and playing. Tell me what your best memories of playing for the Rays were. Uh, definitely going to the postseason in 2000, uh, 2013. That was something that, uh, that I'll never forget, and I'm very fortunate to be able to go to the playoffs in my first year. Um, just having that team, you know, working towards one goal is something that uh, I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, going forward in baseball, that's what it's all about, getting to that postseason. So uh, being able to have that my first year and, and know that feeling, it's something that you want to get back to and you want to keep working towards. Who are you most excited to see among the group on the other side? And who are you still close to? Uh, everybody. I mean, I, I liked all the guys on the team. There's not too many guys that are still here that were here in 13 and 14, but uh, all the guys that were here, I, I talked to all of them, talked to all the staff. Uh, everybody seems great. Uh, it was good to see them all. So, uh, you know, like I said, just enjoying my time here, seeing some new, uh, familiar faces. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I thought was what was most impressive is how forthright you were about, you know, how you've changed since. Right. What, tell, give our audience, again, an idea as to how you think you've grown up since. Yeah, you know, when I was here in, uh, in 13 and 14, uh, especially in 14, being on the D.O., I didn't necessarily knew what it meant to, to be a big leaguer and, and uh, you know, what it took to really get back on the field and work towards that. Uh, you know, I didn't necessarily buy in as well as I should have here. Uh, that's something that uh, I wish I would have learned earlier, but uh, it's better late than never. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- those are things that, that, you know, the growing pains that you go through just to just to learn what it takes to be a big leaguer here and what it takes to, to, to have professional days here in the big leagues. Uh, something that I finally learned, and I'm glad I did, even though it was – even though it wasn't here in Tampa, I'm glad I at least learned it. Do you think that the trade kind of might have accelerated that growth for you because it kind of caught you by surprise and, and might have been? Uh, maybe. Maybe you know, maybe that had something to do with it. Um, one of my biggest things is being around James Shields. He was a guy who uh, really taught me some things, and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything, being, a, being James Shields' teammate. Uh, he was great for me. He, he really taught me a lot. Uh, I respect everything he does. He's a competitor. He wants to go out there and win. Uh, and just listening to him talk and, and kind of take me under his wing was a big deal for me. I was going to ask you, who are the guys who were influential? Because there are a lot of guys who started yeah. here in San Diego weren't here. Was beyond him, who else had a big influence? Yeah, uh, Zobris was another guy. Really, uh, re- Me and Zobris are, are still great friends. Uh, he was a guy that really took me under. Uh, and Shields, you know, he, he was great. He was great for me. Uh, big fan of his. And also John Jay. John Jay did a re- has done a really good job with me this year, teaching me some things, teaching what it takes to kind of be a leader now for, for the Padres um, since we are so young. But, uh, you know, those three guys right there were, were big in my career. You've had a terrific season, so obviously maturity is part of it. But what's the biggest difference physically? Uh, just being healthy, uh, that's the biggest thing. You know, uh, in 13 I had a good year being on the field every single day. And, uh in 14 and 15, I missed a lot of time with, with my wrist. And uh, the biggest thing this year, I made some adjustments in my in my swing, but the biggest thing is just being healthy and getting consistent at bats. What about playing first base? You've done more of that than anything else. What's that been like? Have you missed the outfield? 
No, I have not missed the outfield one bit. Uh, I grew up as a shortstop, so anytime I can be back in the infield is great. Uh, I love playing first. Uh, I'm involved in the game constantly. Um, so, you know, just to have that uh, being in the game and being, doing something on every single pitch is a big deal. I really enjoy first base. I take a lot of pride in it, and I really enjoy working there. You also got to be part of an all-star game. What was that experience like? It was really cool, uh, especially being in San Diego. That was, uh, that was definitely the coolest thing. Uh, having my first all-star experience in, at home and starting in the all-star game was a big deal. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. It's something I'll never forget. My brother got to share every memory with me. He was, he was with me all the time. Uh, so it was a really cool deal for me uh, being there in San Diego. I was going to ask you, your family is very close to you. I remember how often your brother and your parents were here for right. games. Yeah. So how much did they all enjoy the experience and seeing you part of it? Yeah, my parents, my brother, and my girlfriend came down, uh, flew out for it. It was, uh, it was really cool to have everybody there and uh, so we could share that together. Uh, it's something I'll never forget. And uh, I know me and Bo, my brother, will, will talk about that for years to come. What's he doing now? He's a freshman at Appalachian State. He's on the baseball team there. He just started yesterday. was his first workout he had. Um, so he's going to look to get a lot of playing time his sophomore year and uh, hopefully have a good year. For you, you know, the, the all-star experience, what are the things you're going to most remember? You mentioned what were the things that you did because it sounds like you had a lot of time occupied. Yeah, I know I did. I, I was constantly busy, you know, being the ambassador for that. Uh, but the, probably the biggest memory was a home run derby, just having my brother throw to me. I mean, that was a big deal. It was a lot of fun uh, and something we'll never forget. Your experience, you mentioned you're now one of the more experienced guys on the team. Is it strange being that way? And and. Yeah, if it, it, it is. It's it's definitely different. Um, it, it's crazy how fast it kind of goes by. I mean, I just remember 2013 doesn't feel like that long ago, and uh, now this is my fourth year. Um, yeah, you know, we, we got a bunch of guys here who got a lot of younger guys here who I think are extremely talented, and uh, I think we have a bright future here in San Diego. And, and just being able to be one of those guys who, who has some experience and be able to, you know, just give some advice here and there to the younger guys I think is big. And that's former Rays outfielder Will Myers. Now, here in this series between the Rays and Rangers, catchers Robinson Chirinos and Bobby Wilson are facing their former clubs. And I asked Bobby Wilson, a veteran with several teams, what it's like, and he said it's certainly not that easy. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, it's definitely different. Um, you know, you go to battle with a team. Um, you know, you fight, you claw for that name on the front of your jersey. And, you uh, um, you know, and then you have to turn around and, and you want to beat them. Uh, I did the same thing when I went over to Texas last year and Tampa came in and, uh, you know, I wanted to beat them bad, you know, just to kind of prove a point. Um, it's kind of that same feeling you want to, uh, you know, you want to take it to them. And, and um, um, you know, that's part of the game, though. It's just, you know, the, the competitive part of it is, uh, um, you know, you always want to prove your worth. And I think, uh, you know, when you get an opportunity to play against a team that, um that you were formerly with, you get a chance to prove what you know, what you're capable of, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to this uh, this weekend series. Their success, they're at the top of the American League in the standings. People say, well, they're extremely talented, and I don't think people would argue that. But what makes them, what's allowed them to have the success they're having to you? Uh, well, it's the leadership from the top. Um, you know, Adrian Adrian Beltre, um, you know, one of the best leaders that I've ever been around. Uh, you know, he kind of sets the tone for the whole clubhouse. Um, you know, they're just the just the, the veteran leadership that they have over there, um, uh, uh, the coaching staff, management, um, ownership. Uh, it's about winning. They they want to win. 
that's that's all that matters is, is figuring out a way to win and, and uh um you know it was it was fun being over there that's for sure um but you know they, they play the game the right way they know how to play the game they play the game hard uh they don't take anything for granted uh there's not a whole lot of quit over there actually they they don't ever quit you know and and, and uh kind of feed off their slogan never ever quit and uh um like I said, it was a good time over there, but you know I'm looking forward to helping the Tampa Bay Rays win a baseball game. And you've got a chance to help yourself over the next eight weeks too. What has it meant to come back here to this organization? It's been nice, you know. Uh, you're kind of playing for for the next year in my situation, and uh, you know hopefully I can leave a, an impression over these next uh, you know six to eight weeks. And and uh, you know this is a place that uh, I grew up, I live still. Um, and an organization I, I like being a part of. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can parlay this into, into something uh, uh, more than just the next six to eight weeks. I had heard when you were claimed that there were several pitchers who were happy because they loved throwing to you when you were here. What does that mean to hear that? I mean, it's, it's uh, what your peers think about you is, is, uh, is important. And, um, you know, when I walked in here the first day, uh, uh, you know, to see the smile on the guys' faces and, and um, you know, be excited about, about getting back to work with me was was, was a nice treat. Um, you know, and it was the same way when I got traded back to Texas this year. It was, it was that same feeling, and, and uh, um, you know, that's just that's just who I am. I, you know, I love the game. I love working with the guys. I love, uh, you know, trying to make them as the best pitchers that they can be, and uh, I think they see that I do care. And I do want the best for him, and and uh, it goes it goes beyond just you know working together, pitcher catch relationship. You know uh, these guys are my friends that I talk to in the off season, um, you know that I hang out with, that I keep in touch with. So it's not just a uh, a work relationship. These these guys have have become uh, really good friends of mine, and uh, you know like I said, for them to to want me back and be excited about it. Um, you know that's that's what you that's what you play the game for is is that kind of respect and and uh, and uh, you know I couldn't be happier. You also have your reputation for helping other players, especially other catchers. What help? What have you seen in Luke Maley so far this year? And what help can you be to a guy like him and even Kurt Casale? I'm sure I'll be back here in September too. Yeah, and you know I've I've had a lot of experiences and have gone through a lot in this game. And um, um, you know anything I can can uh, give to them to help them get better is what I'm looking uh, forward to doing. Um, you know, I've had some pretty good managers and, and have learned a lot from those guys and have learned a lot from, uh, uh, you know, the Molina brothers uh, when I was in Anaheim. And, um, you know, it, it's that's what the game is. It's, it's passing on what you've learned to other players to make them better. Uh, you know, the Molinas did it to me, uh, Mike Napoli, Jeff Mathis. Those guys, you know, kind of kind of passed what they knew down to me. And uh, you know, you kind of feel obligated that you need to, to keep passing that down the chain um, to keep this game so great. Really good stuff from Rays catcher Bobby Wilson, formerly with the Texas Rangers. We turn our attention right now to the Major League Baseball playoff races. And with us, the dean of Major League Baseball writers, Hal Bodley of MLB.com. Hal, thanks for a few minutes. Always my pleasure. First of all, I know you got a, a new book project. What are you working on? <laughs> well, you know, I've written four books on baseball for uh, regular non-fiction type so i thought i'd take my hand at uh, doing a little fiction it's going to be uh, hopefully it'll be successful take me out to the murder it's a murder 
built around baseball and a lot of the things I know in baseball, having a lot of help putting it together with the imagination and that type of thing. So it's take me out to the murder, and I can't tell you how it ends because I'm not even quite sure myself yet, but we're working toward that. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it uh, when it does come out. Now, uh, today, it's it's a mystery of sorts, what's going to happen between the Rays and the Rangers. We know that Texas is a team that's likely going to be in the playoffs. They have the best record in the American League. What, to you, makes their team special? Well, you know, I think a lot of things. It's a veteran team. It's a team that learned how to win. Uh, a lot of the veteran players, you know, portray that. They teach the younger players that. Uh, it was a good team. I think you and I talked earlier in the season. I said that Texas would be good this year, maybe even the surprise team. But then at the trade deadline, Carlos Beltran, Jeremy Jeffries, Jonathan LaCroix, two pitchers, and and Beltran brought a lot of leadership to the ball club. I think that really solidified this team. Prior to that, that prior to that deadline trade, uh, they were willing, they were winning, they were in first place, but they really have taken off since then. They're 11 and seven since the deadline. And they've won 11 of 16. They win a lot of close games, one-run games. That tells me they put the ball in play late in the game. They're able to come back from deficits and that type of thing. I think this is a good ball club. I think it could be the best team in the American League right now. If not, is it Cleveland? Cleveland is very, very good, too. You know, I just can't say enough about Tito uh, Francona, what the job he's done as the manager of the Indians, uh, they're playing very well. And what a story, hey, what a story that would be in Cleveland on top of the NBA w- winning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody would like to be there. The, the Rangers today announced that not only has Carlos Gomez been signed, but once he gets through a few rehab games, he's going to be their starting left fielder. I was a little bit surprised because I kind of wonder what happens with Jurickson and Profar for the rest of the season. I, I kind of liked him hitting leadoff. Is it a good or bad thing to have Gomez be an everyday guy the rest of the way? Well, you know, the one problem that I have with that is the fact that you don't know what he's going to do to the clubhouse chemistry. The fact that this team has played well in first place by six games today. And here there's someone is coming aboard, uh, a new face, so to speak, somebody who's been struggling with the Astros. And he's already been appointed as the left fielder. Don't forget, back in 2013 and 14, he was an all-star, hit 24, 23 home mm-hmm. runs, drove in 73, 74 runs, and he was really a good player. But he's been going on the downside since then. So uh, uh, Jeff Bannister, the manager of the Rangers, said today well, when we were chatting with him that uh, that he's you know, a veteran player and uh, he's done an awful lot of good things in baseball, and you have to give him the chance. So they're going to put him in left field, and we'll have to see what happens. But my biggest my biggest problem with this is, number one, is he going to, you know, pr- have a problem with the chemistry in the clubhouse? And number two, is he going to be able to come back from, from what was really a down year? I think it's certainly good questions to ask. Again, Hal Bobley with us, Dean of Major League Baseball Writers of MLB.com. How do you look at the American League East going forward? Toronto enters today with a half-game lead on Boston, now two-and-a-half on Baltimore. Well, I wrote about, I guess it maybe a month ago or so, that uh, on paper at least, Toronto was the best team in American League East. And obviously the Blue Jays have shown that in the last 10 days that they probably are. Uh, Baltimore at that time when I wrote that, uh, Neil was uh, in first place and uh, so much struggling. They were winning and losing sort of on a roller coaster. But Toronto has, you know, all the ingredients to, you know, to go ahead and, and, you know, build up a big lead in that division. Boston is, I think, probably very close behind. And we're going to find out a lot about the Red Sox beginning tomorrow night here. Indeed. 
And with the wild card, right now it would be Boston and Baltimore, but there are two interesting teams that are chasing. One is Seattle. Since they got Felix Hernandez back, they've been on a run. They're only a game back. And the other, I don't want to forget about the defending world champs. I know they're four and a half back of the second wild card, but Kansas City has now won seven in a row. Kansas City has really been struggling. They've had a lot of injuries, had a lot of problems. You know, you asked me one time, I said the Royals were probably the biggest disappointment of the year if it weren't for Houston because everybody was saying that probably the Astros, this was going to be their year to go to the promised land. But I think that Kansas City, if they play well the rest of the season and they don't have a lot of losing streaks, in other words, win two or three then lose four, that type of thing, I think that they could possibly get in the wild card race. I like the Royals an awful lot. Seattle, Seattle is kind of the best kept secret in the American League right now. They keep, uh, they, they've been written off more times than any team, but they keep bouncing back. So I say, keep your eye on the Mariners. And then, you know, again, Baltimore, we, we didn't touch on them much. They, they still have the second wild card, but they've given up 27 runs the last two days. Are you as worried as I think? others in that area are about their pitching? Yeah, I really was. Uh, early on, and we talked about they needed pitching, they needed pitching. I don't think they did enough uh, during the deadline talk to get a good pitcher to help them a lot. Uh, that's their big problem. They just uh, they can't get enough outs when they need them. Uh, I don't see the Orioles doing better than the wild card. And frankly, you know, Neil, I think they're going to be struggling to get to that wild card. It's going to be an interesting race down the stretch. Hal Bodley, we appreciate you chatting with us for a few minutes, and best of luck with the new book, Take me out to the murder. <laughs> Thank you very much, and have a great day. You got it. That's, again, Hal Bodley of MLB.com joining us, and we certainly appreciate him and all of our guests on our show today, including Logan Forsyth, Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun, Montgomery manager Brady Williams, as well as Will Myers, now the Padres outfielder and race catcher Bobby Wilson. And also special thanks on our today's show to our producer who did a terrific job, Trey Downey. Don't forget... If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons. That is all one word. Coming up next week, we'll hear from Jay Cotarizzi. And coming up, it's the Rays pregame show. We're getting you set for the Rays and the Rangers. Rays trying to win a series. A reminder, if you're looking for an outing for friends, family, or coworkers, bring your group out to the ballpark. Get a great discount on the ticket price. Call today. Learn how each member of your group can get a Rays hat. Call 888-FAN-RAYS. For more information. Again, Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball. Coming up, Rays try and take two of three from the Rangers, continue their hot streak at home. That in a moment, this is the Rays Baseball Network.